I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm David Berkowitz, and you are listening to Sorry Partner. Hello, and welcome to Sorry Partner, a weekly podcast about bridge, and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with American champion David Berkowitz about the evolution of his partnership skills and cleaving to what you know. Plus, he shares his top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. Hi, partner. How are you doing, Catherine? Jocelyn, I'm, I'm very well. Thank you very much for asking. I had a very interesting hand last night that I was looking forward to discussing with you today. Are you up for it? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the opponents opened one no trump and the responder said two spades, which is drop dead to play. And it went pass, pass, pass. So they're playing in two spades. And my hand is jack eight, four, three spades. So I've got four spades, a singleton heart, the two of hearts. I have five diamonds, ace, jack, ten, seven, four, and I've got the king, nine, four of clubs. So I'm on lead. I have to decide what to lead. And I don't want to lead a spade because I don't want to plunder my spade holding. I think I've got a trick there, a natural trick there. I don't know how it's going to play out. I'm very mindful of that adage about when you've got the opponent's suit that you should lead from length rather than shortage. So I'm really reluctant to lead my singleton heart. I do not want to lead away from my king of clubs, which leaves me looking at this diamond suit, which is headed by the ace and then jack 10, seven, four. Are you going to underlead your ace of diamonds? I most certainly am going to underlead my ace of diamonds. You are. Well, I must say, that is a ballsy move, but I like it. 
I like it. Thank you. Well, here's what I was thinking. I can put down the Ace of Diamonds and I'm going to win that trick, but I'm still facing the same problem on the next trick. I can leave the top of my interior sequence, but that just felt like I was giving away a trick. I was thinking maybe I'll find my partner with one of the honours and it's going to promote all my diamonds. And so I thought normally I would leave the ace, but this time, uh, uh, uh. And so I put down the seven. As it turns out, my partner's got the king and queen doubleton in diamonds. And so it was just beautiful. He also had the ace and queen of clubs. And so we took all the diamonds, we took all the clubs, and these people went off. And of course, they weren't very happy, which I completely understand. But then next thing you know, once the hand is done and everyone can see all the hands, my left-hand opponent types into the bottom of the screen, interesting lead, question mark, question mark. And my, my partner then messaged me, of course, and said, did you see that? And, if, you know, I, I, they're, they're accusing me of cheating. I think that's a pretty subtle way of accusing someone of cheating. Certainly, they were very displeased. But all they need to, I mean, <laughs> well, you and I have discussed on quite a few occasions the merits of under leading an ace when you have length in opponent's trump suit. And I don't really understand why it seems to work, but I've done it recently myself and it definitely can work. Well, there are certainly moments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, these opponents were, um, let's just say, not the favorite people of my partner. I think <laughs> they had some history. And so I think there might have been something to do with that bound up with their displeasure. So maybe because I'm loyal to my partner, I didn't mind too much that I'd got under their skin. Well, yes, that's the best part, of course. But I can swear up and down to your opponents and whoever else wants to listen that you and I have had quite a few conversations about leads and we have talked very specifically about leading away from an ace when you have length in the opponent's trump. And I don't know if it matters whether they stop at a low level or, you know, if they're even in game. I think when I've done it, it's been when they're at a low level, like what you did here. But just if, if anybody is concerned, this is something that Catherine and I do. Consider yourself warm. Consider yourself warm. It's we're not cheating. There you go. That's right. We're not cheating. Or as you like to say sometimes, Jocelyn, if we were cheating, surely our results would be better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I remember once we were playing on BBO and, you know, you get you get notified when your opponent or your partner calls the director. It says a director has been so-and-so has called the director. So I think I called the director at the same time that you called the director. And when the director came to me, I said, oh, well, I think my partner already called you. And the director said to me, how did you know that? I said, well, I get a little <laughs> pop-up on my screen that says so-and-so called the director. And then the director, that was when the director uh, said, oh, right, of course. I said, you know, if I were cheating, <laughs> I think our results would be a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think those directors know everything. I had a time where um, there'd been some confusion between us and the opponents. And you know how you can message the opponents during the game privately, or you can obviously yeah. message them <laughs> at the table, but you can message them privately. Yeah, but not your partner. Right, not your partner. And the director was getting so hot under the collar with me. What do you mean you're messaging them enough? Explain to the director that you could message the opponents. He had no idea. 
learning experience <laughs> all around. Yeah, well, hopefully they were able to use that information in their subsequent <laughs> directing. Support for Sorry Partner comes from Bridge with Larry Cohen, home of the Bridge Made Simple webinars at www.larryco.com for loads of videos, practice hands, and our favorite, the quizzes. Thanks, Larry. So, Jocelyn, I had a look in our mailbag and we've got a couple of letters from two previous letter writers. <gasps> our friends. Our friends. So that's, that's very nice. Would you like me to read them Please. to you? So our first letter is from Stephen. Stephen. Hey, Stephen. Thanks for writing again, Stephen. We really appreciate it. This letter is called Rookie Errors. My partner and I were true rookies when we started playing supervised bridge the week after completing our eight-week course of lessons. A couple of hours into the supervised session, and all of a sudden, my partner sits bolt upright in his chair and starts spitting like a man on fire. <laughs> One spade, pass. Two hearts, pass. Three spades, pass. Four spades. And then suddenly he bid five, no trump. We had just learned the ace asking convention Blackwood that week. And so I was half expecting him to follow that convention when he picked up his pen to write the next bid. So this must have been, you know, I've said to you in Australia, I think a lot of clubs still use they still write their bids. For a few minutes, I sat there trying to comprehend what he meant and what he was asking me. While I knew that he had established a fit with me in spades, I had no idea what his five no trump bid meant. So I called for our supervision director as we were allowed and encouraged to seek assistance when we got ourselves in trouble. The director arrived and looked at our bidding sheet and then said to my partner, okay, I think I know where you're trying to go and that is fantastic and we learned about Blackwood only this week, but the correct bid is four no trump, not five no trump. My partner then showed the director his hand and said, yes, I know that, but I already hold all the aces. <laughs> I only want to know about the kings. <laughs> we still laugh about that incident and it is noted as one of our better rookie errors. <laughs> so I think funny. that's terrific. I think they showed a lot of creativity and resourcefulness in figuring out what he needed to know and what he didn't. But it also kind of reminds me, do you remember there was an opening bit of three clubs because she thought her hand was too good. It was better than a two yes. club opener. Yes. <laughs> so it sort of yeah. has shades of that, which is one of my favorites. <laughs> that was very sweet. I think that letter was from George. <laughs> and we have another letter that's not completely unrelated. This letter is from Ryan who has written to us before. Hey, Ryan. Thanks again for writing in. Really appreciate it. Oh, hey, Ryan. <laughs> this is called Inadvertent Psych Bit. One time at a club, the bidding seemed very odd with everyone bidding, and when the dust cleared, I wound up declaring to no trump. As the opening lead was made, the opponents noticed that my partner's hand was still in the board. My partner bid accidentally having kept his cards from the previous hand and was using that during the bidding. So he had to put that hand back and table the dummy with the actual hand from the board. The opponents were furious and called the director, but the director ruled that it was basically like my partner had made psych bids and the play should continue without penalty. The kicker is I made two no trump for a top board and then the opponents were even more angry. <laughs> and then he says, good times. 
Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, I bet the opponents were mad, but that is so funny. Thank you, Ryan. That is a great, great story. I love it. Well, if you have any fun stories about hands being used when they shouldn't be or inadvertent psych bid, or creative use of Roman key card, please, uh, <laughs> please send them in to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or via Instagram, or you can leave us a voice message at www.speakpipe.com slash sorrypartnerpodcast. The link is also in the show notes, along with some other good stuff. Coming up next, our interview with David Berkowitz. American champion David Berkowitz got his taste for bridge watching his father play with friends at the kitchen table. But his bridge addiction really kicked in once he left home for college and could devote himself to the game full time. He is an ACBL Grand Life Master with over 30 national championships under his belt. He enjoyed a long partnership with Larry Cohen, the two of them placing second in the 1988 World Open Pairs and winning the 1999 Cap Gemini Invitational Pairs. In 2010, he was inducted into the ACBL Hall of Fame. We began by asking about his early memories of the game. When I was like 17 or 18, I was growing up in Brooklyn. I was still in high school. My father would have some of his friends over to play bridge as a social game. And then I was maybe a senior in high school, and he took me to the local bridge club to play bridge with him in Brooklyn before I was off to play at Stony Brook, which is the State University of New York, where I went to as a college freshman. Now, I majored in math, but I also majored in bridge. I didn't really spend much time on my studies. I went to the bridge club there, and it was possibly the worst bridge players in the history of bridge. <laughs> there was this one superstar, I remember. His name was Ray. He ran the club. He had 50 or 60 points. He was considered the star. He could follow suit as opposed to the rest of us who couldn't play at all. But then we got better and better. And so there were like six or eight of us who played bridge. We played it, I think it was called the East Setauket Bridge Club. I played with my friend Bob Sartorius. And then we went home. He went home. His job was to learn how to declare. I went home. My job was to learn how to defend. Okay, so now it's the start of a new semester. He's studying declare play. I've studied defense. I get there, we're playing, and he's playing at hand, and I'm watching, and this is awful. He's not taking any finesses. He's not trying to rough anything in dummy. He's not setting up any suits. At my, you know, 19 years old, I could tell that we weren't doing very well. So I was, finally, at the end of this hand, he's declaring, I watch him go in like this, which is famous. For our listeners, David is holding up his hands and touching the tip of each finger. They can't see me doing this? We're only audio. 
Well, okay, so he would be going B L U E B L U E, and I said, "What the heck are you doing?" He says, "Yeah, well, I, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm looking for block suit and losers and unbid suits and entries." He said, "You told me to read a book on the Claret play." I said, "Bob, you could you could you couldn't take a finesse. You couldn't rough anything in dummy. What book on the Claret play did you read?" He said, "I read." Love's squeezes complete. I said, you, you're trying to find the squeeze? You couldn't take a finesse. He said, no, yeah, I'm working on squeezes. I said, Bob, let's work on finesses. He says, no, these squeezes are great. If there's four tricks left and I only have three winners, there could be a squeeze. This is very exciting. I said, oh, God, Bob, it's not very exciting. So we started from there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you have a regular partner that you play with now? Now I have quite a few. Well, thinking about a couple of your regular partners, what would they say your strength is in the game? Okay, well, you know, you've done Larry. Larry and I were like 25 years like a marriage until he retired. So they asked me why I played with Larry. And I said, who wouldn't play with Larry? He's so much better than me, and he's so easy to play with. Then they asked Larry why he's playing with me. He said, why wouldn't I play with David? He's so much better than I am, and he's so easy to play with. I believe that he said that you were very conservative. I can be conservative. Well, you got to realize that before me, he played with this guy, Marty Bergen, and they revolutionized bridge basically by bidding on every every hand, every conceivable of possibility. They were madmen. They revolutionized the game. Now, before Larry played with me and before he played with Marty, he played with this guy, Ron Gerard who was also conservative. So Larry went from conservative to crazy to conservative. He adapted 
that way. That's what he wanted to do. He would adapt to how, how his partner played. Now, Larry has retired from bridge. He ruined my life. Oh. So I played with Alan Sante for a while after that. Alan's a wonderful player. And now my latest partner is Jeff Mextroth, who was half of the world's greatest pair, Mextroth and Rodwell. So what would Mextroth say is your strength in the game? Mextroth would say that I'm a good partner. Mextroth and I go back to about 1979. This was before Mextroth and Rodwell, Mextroth played with me. And he, he would think that my partnership skills are good. In other words, I do everything I can to keep him happy. What do you do to keep him happy? The most important thing is never to complain and never to carp. In other words, you can't look at your partner and say, I wouldn't have done that. Or what are you thinking about? <laughs> you can't do any of those things. You have to realize that at the bridge table, you have one friend and two enemies. And if your friend is no longer your friend, it's going to be very bad for your results. You have to have your partner rooting for you and you rooting for your partner is the number one thing. Larry would always say the reason we won more than our skill levels, although we have pretty good skill levels, was because everyone was rooting for us because they knew how much we were rooting for each other. We could discuss it later on. We could discuss something that I didn't like or he didn't like. We could discuss it after the game. But at the table, there was never any uh, tisk tisk or what are you doing or what are you thinking about. It was always good play. I would have done the same thing. Let's get on with the next hand. Now, in the early 90s, we were playing a great pair, one of the best pairs, and one of them, did something stupid, and the other one said something nasty. And now the great player fell apart for like two or three more hands. Larry couldn't wait to come to me and say, you see, you see, he said something nasty, and the guy fell apart. You can never, ever, ever say anything nasty to anybody. Your partner feels bad enough as it is. Just sit there. Play your best and smile. So I read somewhere that you described yourself as caustic and sarcastic, but I am not seeing any evidence of that, sir. Could you please explain? I can be that way. I prefer not to be. Who, who told who said on that? Me? I think you did in an interview online. I read it. Impossible. <laughs> but it also said that you would like to be remembered for being a good partner. So clearly you, you have worked on your temperament over time. That's all, Larry. When I started early on and then I played in the 80s, Larry and I, we were both the Wall Street traders. And Larry was a great partner for me. And I won a, a, a big, big event. And I was so happy. And now I'm waiting for Larry to say, let's play some more, let's play some more. And Larry hasn't said anything like that. And I said, are we going to play some more? He said, well, I had to play some with Marty, and I was thinking of not playing with you anymore. And I said, why is that? He said, 
well, don't you remember? Uh, this hand came up, and you yelled at me. I said, I what? He said, yeah, you yelled at me. You said, I should have done that. And I said, okay, so I yelled at you. Leave me alone. He said, no, unacceptable. If you're going to play with me, you could never yell at me. You call me up at 11 o'clock at night, and we could say, I want to discuss board 12. And you could say that was the worst bid you ever seen anybody in your life make or the worst play. And that's acceptable. You could say that to me on the phone. Or you could say that to me in our rooms, wherever we are. But you cannot say that to me at the bridge table. Unacceptable. Because you said that to me at the table and you acted poorly, I don't want to play with you again. Now, if you're willing to say that you'll never do it again, we could try again. And that's how Larry worked on my partnership skills. If you are sitting there and your partner is making faces at everything you do, you won't do well. It won't happen. I read that you still get butterflies when you play. You do. You do. I remember uh, my first major, major event. I was playing with one of the greats of Bridges. His name was Jim Jacoby. You've heard of Jacoby transfers and Jacoby. That was his father, but Jacoby this, Jacoby that. And Jim Jacoby was a wonderful player. And he was a great, great partner. As a matter of fact, everyone said he doesn't play his cards well. And I said, yeah, but he's a great partner. <laughs> and I was sitting down in the finals of the Vanderbilt in 1975, my first ever foray. And I was sitting, and I wasn't that nervous because I was a young punk, 25 years old or whatever I was. But then Edgar Kaplan, who was the editor of The Bridge World, okay, which everybody read and everybody respected, and everybody was scared that he'd say something nasty or whatever, you know. He sits behind me. He opens up a pad and a paper, and he starts writing, and I'm getting, I go crazy. I am so scared that I'm going to do anything stupid. But after a while, you get over it. So you don't get butterflies anymore? I do a little bit, but I'm 72 years old. I'm getting over it a little bit. Are there particular aspects of the game that are the most stress-inducing for you, or is it just the anticipation of what hand, what challenge a particular hand might bring? Every hand's a challenge. Every hand is new. If you don't get something new out of every hand, you shouldn't be playing. Is there a particular area of the game, though, that you feel maybe your your weak spot, or that you feel is your maybe your your blind spot? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I feel like I play too fast. And when you play too fast, sometimes you overlook something and you say to yourself, I should have seen that. And it happens even with 50 years of experience. I mean, the one who I admired, one of the people to admire is Bob Hammond, who I played with for like four or five years. Bob Hammond had the best temperament at bridge tape. He could do something so silly. He'd make a mistake, and people make mistakes. And on the next hand, he would dig in. He would be playing one no trump for an over trick. And like every fiber of his being was, how can I do well on this hand? He forgot about his bad hand. 
And I'd love for people to remember that if you have a bad hand, get over it. Doesn't matter. You've had a bad result. You're going to have more. Just don't let it get on your nerves. Don't let it bother you. You've had a bad result. The worst thing you could possibly do is say, I'm going to make it up on the next hand. I, I do make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Bridge is a game of making mistakes. The key is learn from your mistakes and don't duplicate them. When you make a mistake, see what you've done. Don't do it again. What is your favorite gadget or convention that you like to play with your partners? Okay, so that's an interesting question. I played with Kathy Way for like 40 or 50 years, and she's the beginner of the precision system. So anything to do with precision, I love doing with precision because there's so many good things that you could do that that you can't always do playing standard. So when something neat comes up that, that you could say, oh, wow, look what I was able to do. I wouldn't have been able to do that under other circumstances. Is there a particular convention that you most dislike or think is a real waste of time? I would have to say my my biggest conventional dislike is people who play all these conventions. Like I have clients, I mean, I, I'm sitting there and I'm filling out a card and they say, I say, what do you like over there? No, Trump. And they say, I play modified crackaletti or something. Uh, something I <laughs> And I said, explain it to me. And they explain it to me. And I say, well, that doesn't work. What does it mean when you do this? So I guess my biggest complaint about conventions is when people play conventions that they don't understand. To give you a simple, simple, simple example, some people play a convention where over one no trump by the opponents, they bid two clubs to show the majors. Simple. It's been around for a thousand years. It's called landing. Okay. So I said, gee, I could play that. Let's play landing. And, and she says, that's my favorite convention. I said, oh, yeah. So tell me, if it goes to no trump and I bid two clubs to show the majors, right? And it goes past and you bid two diamonds. Is that your own diamonds? Or are you asking me to bid my better major? And most people I ask a question like that, look at me like I'm from Mars. They say, what are you talking about? I said, well, you can't just say two clubs is for the majors and not know what it means if you bid two diamonds over that. Like, does that say bid your better major? Or does that say I have my own diamonds? So my biggest nitpicking thing is that people play all these conventions and they don't understand. What's the best bridge advice or tip that you've ever been given? I play with like a lot of students online, some from Australia, some from San Francisco, some from wherever, and I play their system. And one of the things they say to me is, okay, I play this with Sybil, and I play this with Dorothy, and I play this different thing with Sam, and I play this different thing with Ed. And I said, I would say, well, why don't you just play the same thing with everybody? They said, oh, no, I can't do that. 
because they can't do that. So the simplest thing for you to do is to say, look, I'm the weak player. You're the strong player. David says the weak player should always play their system. So therefore, you play the same thing with everybody. Trust me when I tell you it's the best thing for your game. That You don't have to worry what I'm playing with this person or that person or somebody else. Just play the same thing with everybody. And when they say that they can't play your system, you say, well, you're such a stronger player than I am. <laughs> stronger player should always play what the weaker player wants. It'll get them better results. So do that. And it comes time to fill out the card, and you get to, like, over there, no Trump. Don't say, well, I need to play Mechwell, or I need to play Capoletti, or I need to play Hamilton, or Landy, or this or that. You say to them, this is what I'm comfortable with. Can you play this? And when they say, no, we have to play modified, don't. You say, what's that? I never heard of that. <laughs> Do me a favor. You're such a good player. Play my system. That's my advice. I love it. I love it. David, thank you so much for joining us today. It was wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much. It was great. It was my pleasure. I've never, I haven't had this much fun since I got off the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the show. Many thanks to David Berkowitz. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram or send us a voice message. And please consider supporting the show. These links, along with a link to our merch store, are all in the show notes and on the website, along with some other good stuff. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice or we'll call the director. Until next week, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as David says, aim to play your system with everyone. That will get you the best results. Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.